Awesome. Hey, welcome to the house of God. Glad to have you uh, in church uh, this Sunday. Uh, we almost had to cancel last minute. I know so many people were recovering from the tsunami we had here yesterday and just, <laughs> we will rebuild. I just want to let you know, we will rebuild. We're launching a special tsunami fund just for, for those of you who are impacted by the two inches of water and just, we're just going to pray it in. God help us. We're building back better. We're building back better. So... I'm glad to have you. I don't know if you're glad to be here, but I'm glad to have you. So anyways, just... You know, I was in, uh, I was in Orange County uh, uh, this week preaching. Orange County's got a little different weather than here, just a little nicer. And I said, Lord, just say the word. I receive my beach anointing for this season. And the Lord did not give me a word, so you're stuck with me. I'm back here, but... Uh, God's doing some good work here in the Northwest, so it, it almost makes it worth it. But glad to have you uh, here today. And You know, when I got into to ministry, one of my Bible college professors real early on, they said, they said, Russell, if you feel called to full-time ministry, they said, don't worry. They said, ministry is a walk in the park. Now, they didn't tell me it was Jurassic Park, but they just... I think a lot of things are like that. Marriage, a walk in the park. Finances, a walk in the park. They just don't tell you what type of park it is. You got a T-Rex chasing you. Your world's collapsing. Everything's on fire all the time. There's always a crisis. <laughs> you know, but it's interesting to me. Uh, is that the theme song, Whitey? <laughs> beep, bop, boop, bop, beep. Awesome. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Worship team killed it this morning, huh? Incredible. Wow. I said, we don't deserve this. I don't even need to preach good. you already been to church. You've been fine. So I just, I could quit now. But, uh, you know, it is interesting to me how much of the world constantly lives in a state of fear, crisis, panic, and outrage. And actually, how offended people get when you're not outraged about what they're outraged about. <laughs> you know, I'm on the way home. People are filming. It's just the funniest thing ever. I don't know why. It's just the funniest thing ever to me. People are filming at Alki Beach. Breaking news. Incoming tsunami. <laughs> I just went, it's just so interesting to me, the world we live in. People wrapped up in just fear and crisis 24-7. And scripture says this, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You need to know this. Fear is a principality and power in the Northwest. It's a spirit. It's that thing that comes on you that causes you to say, I better not say anything. I better not do anything. I better just close my eyes. I better just close my mouth. I better not, I better not be a voice for anything lest I get canceled. Somebody might get offended. Somebody might hit thumbs down instead of thumbs up on my post. I just better, I just better back off and back down and bow down and just shut up and go away. And I just, I just better because if fear is like this kind of wet blanket that comes on the Northwest and it's actually a spirit. And God says that that spirit isn't from me. That spirit's from the world. But watch, for the one thing the world gave you, which was fear, God gives you three things power, love, and a sound mind. 
For every bullet the world tries to shoot at you, God gives you three arrows of defense. And so for us, we operate in supernatural strength and in supernatural courage for the days that are ahead. Just let me encourage you again. You know, I, I saw some, some people saying on, on social media, out of abundance of caution, want to go ahead and just cancel service for this Sunday. Listen, listen. Out of an abundance of caution, I'm never canceling church again. If you light this church on fire Saturday night, I will be here Sunday morning. <laughs> because the church is the pillar of truth in society. And not just that, but it communicates truth to principalities and powers. And the church doesn't exist for our comfort, but for the transformation of the world and the glorification of Christ Jesus. And so the church got a reason to gather, and we're just going to be those type of people in this type of hour. I get we're not the church for everybody. That's why there's so many different churches. There's a lot of different ways for the members of Christ's body to all plug in and fit in. I think we need better churches, more churches, better pastors, more pastors. I'm pro-church. I'm pro-kingdom. I want this thing to advance and grow and develop. I know this isn't the place for maybe everybody, but I think it's the place for a lot of folks. And so we're going to do what we can to be who God has asked us to be in this hour. In Acts 12, the Bible tells us uh, the story of, of, uh, uh, of Peter and, and the New Testament church. It's important for you to understand that to know where we're going, we've got to know where we've been. <clears throat> the thing that I want to make great in my life is historic Christian orthodoxy. Which means this, in order to go forward, we have to go back. We got to know where we came from. That's why I love the book of Acts. That's why I love the author, uh, Luke. Because he tells us where we came from. He tells us the original blueprint and the DNA of who the church is, what the church should be, and how they should operate. And when I compare the church of Acts in the first century to the church of the West in the 21st century... What it does is it provides a quite a, of a stark contrast between what was then and what is now. And we got better programs and fancier lights and the best metrics and cool screens and you name it, the church in the West has it. But what a lot of us are missing is the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, the Holy Spirit can do a lot more with a church meeting in a hut in a closed country in a little village with no electricity, no PowerPoint, no live stream, no stage, no microphone. God can do a lot more with a lot less if he finds people who are willing to do it his way. And here's what I love about the anointing. Either you have it or you don't. Now, you can fake a lot of things, but you can't fake anointing. A gift to give you goosebumps, but the anointing breaks the yoke. And the anointing has no explanation because it has no teacher. It comes from God alone. And when God's put an anointing on your life, don't waste your time trying to explain yourself to every critic or cynic who comes their way. Can I tell you, Fred, you know, critics and cynics are like armpits. They're always around. Most of them stink. You just got to keep going. Keep your eyes on the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We don't live for compliments. We don't die by criticism. Be careful the next time somebody's trying to pat you on the back. They might be looking for a place to stab. Just keep going. You're going to be okay. We'll keep our eyes on Jesus, the author 
and the finisher of our faith. Christ has already finished the work, and now you and I get to live in the reality of what he's finished, and it's a really good story. In Acts 12, the Bible tells us a story of Peter and some persecution and the involvement of the local church. I love the church. I love the concept of the church. I love the organization of the church. There's a lot of cool things that are associated with church. But there is one thing that God has promised will not only stand against the gates of hell, but plunder hell itself. And it is the local church. And friends, you need a church. You just do. You need a church family. You need a church to call home. You need, you need a place where you can feel like, hey, I can come alive. You know, sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, I've been here a year or two, or maybe I've been here a month or two, and I just feel like this isn't the place for me. I go, that's okay, but just please make sure you find a place. Because even if you don't choose to sit at this table, you still need to get fed. Even if you don't choose to sit under this preacher, you still need a preacher. Even if you don't choose this worship team, you still need to worship. And so I encourage people all the time. I say, listen, if this ain't the place for you, or maybe it's a landing place for this season, just make sure you go somewhere. Because your life will flourish as a byproduct of being planted in the house of God. And David talks about oaks of righteousness that are planted in the house of God. We're not people who are just busy bees pollinating different flowers. No, we're planted somewhere. You can bless a lot of things, but you can only build one thing. Jesus said, I will build my church. You know, over this last season, man, we just gotten so many requests to go different places and preach different places. And I always know which request the Lord wants me to do versus which request he doesn't want me to do. And the way that I know that is by what day of the week they want me to come minister. Because if they want me to come minister on Sunday morning, I already got a church. Here's my goal. I want to be loved the most by people who know me the best. And sometimes preachers get behind a pulpit, but they're so busy going to everybody else's churches. Because it's easier to be loved by people who don't know you. But see, God called me to this church. And I think God's called a many of you to this church. And I just think we're better together. And we're going to stay that way. Acts 12, starting at verse 1. Now, let me preach here. i got about four minutes left. Acts 12. It is about that time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this was met with approval amongst the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. I want you to notice what the scripture says because I think inherent in these verses is some language that could be helpful for your life. The Bible says this, it was about this time that Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Friend, first and foremost, you need somewhere you belong. I love how even the pagan political leaders of that day were able to identify a people 
who belong. It's not that you just belong to God. Friend, you also belong to the family of God. You belong to the church. You belong to his bride. You belong to the thing that he gave his life for. You belong to the organization that he washes by his own blood. You belong to the organization that exists as the pillar of truth in society. It's not just that I belong to God. It's that I belong to a family. Yeah, I've used this analogy with you before, but it, it bears repeating. You don't get to be friends with me without also being friends with my wife. Because although we're separate people, we're one flesh. And I think sometimes in an effort to sound spiritual, people say things like this. Well, I'm just on my own journey with Jesus, but I just don't really fit in the church. Like somebody coming up to me afterwards saying, Russell, we'd really like to hang out with you, but just make sure you don't bring your wife because we really only like you. No, you don't get to pick and choose because we're a package deal. And friend, if you belong to Christ, it's incumbent that you belong to a church family. And even if it's not this church family, let me implore you by the mercy of God in Christ Jesus that you belong somewhere. And I love how King Herod, a demonized sexual deviant who was confronted by the religious leaders of his day, even himself was able to identify a people who belong. Now watch. Secondly, hear me, you should recognize the pattern of government. Hear me, hear me. Harassment leads to disruption. Disruption leads to interference. And unchecked interference is what leads to persecution. Hear me, friend, hear me. It doesn't start out as persecution. It starts out as suggestions, guidelines, mandates, edicts, press releases, legislation. And before you know it, you've been boiled alive because you didn't have enough common sense to jump out when the heat got turned up. King Herod arrested those who belonged to the church because he was intending to walk the road that would lead or end in persecution. Now, I have a persecution complex. People around the world really being persecuted. In the West, we got it pretty easy. Yeah, we get some nasty calls, some emails, some letters. Sure, they've threatened us, said all sorts of things. I'm concerned, frankly, about some of the leadership here in this city, in this county. We got to pray for them. Come on, that's what scripture commands us to do. But I don't have a persecution complex. I don't walk around like, woe is me, because I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim of their narrative. I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. In fact, I'm not just a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. But I'm also a student of history, and I'm a student of church history. And I know where this leads. So why are we spoken out the way we do? Why do we develop statements on public theology the way that we do? Because the church has a prophetic responsibility to be a voice in the culture. And when the church loses her voice, the world loses her mind. So we're going to be a voice. I'm not dodging every controversial issue, hoping to grow my social media presence by never offending anybody. I'm not trying to intentionally offend people. That's not my heart. But, you know, it's so funny when we get these critiques. Well, that doesn't sound very Christ-like. You just need to be more like Christ. If you were just more like Christ, people would like you. They killed Jesus! No, 
figuratively, literally. And Jesus says, if they hated me, they probably hate you too. I'm not trying to be hated. I'm not trying to champion. I don't like feeling hated, getting nasty voicemails and messages and emails. I don't, I don't, I don't, that doesn't feel, feed my ego. I don't go, oh, God bless. Oh, this is just another incredible Monday morning here on the voicemail inbox. But I know this. Listen, I have a prophetic responsibility. And listen, listen, cowards don't make history. And I'm not a coward. Now watch. Let me preach here for a minute. Watch. Herod intended his interference to lead to persecution. But hear me, friend. We belong to something that is stronger than the force of government. We belong to something that is further reaching than the arm of government. We belong to something that is richer and deeper than the most well-funded of government programs. We belong to a kingdom unshakable that is advancing by force and the gates of hell will not and cannot prevail against it. We belong to church. Now watch. Herod had John the Baptist. Christ called John the Baptist his cousin, the greatest prophet who ever lived. Herod had John the Baptist put to death. Why? Because John confronted Herod over his sexual sin. Herod was having an affair with his brother's wife. Let me ask you a question that I'm going to answer. Why did John care about the marital status of the ruling political leader of his day? Why did John even have an opinion on who Herod slept with? I'll tell you why. Because public theology matters. Now watch. Because politicians who don't believe in gender don't get to tell us to trust the science. Because politicians who don't believe in the sacredness of life in the womb never get to lecture me on morality. Because politicians who believe government should be the greatest force involved in the raising of your children doesn't get to redefine the family unit to appease their social experimentation. Public theology matters. It matters. Now listen, I don't got to comment on everything that happens, and I don't. I'm never going to reduce this pulpit to some sort of talking head and stage for political pandering. That's not who I am. But I'll tell you this. The truth that Christ has revealed by his spirit through scripture has the power to change the world around us if we would just stop being scared to death of what it actually says. Why is John the Baptist commenting on anything that Herod does? Can you imagine if we had a service here on a Sunday morning only to comment on the sexual habits of our political leaders? I don't think I'd ever do that. But I appreciate the principle being communicated here in Acts 12. Public theology matters. It matters for you to have a voice. It matters for you to say, no, parents should be the primary people involved in the raising of their own children. No, it matters for you to go, no, we don't get to redefine the family unit and finger paint our future and pretend that everything's a-okay. No, 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 that's not how this works. No, you're not the author of life. He is. 
No, you don't get to decide what mom and dad, he does. No, you don't get to be the altruistic voice of pseudo-morality in my life. Scripture does. Public theology matters. Now watch, watch. The church had a boldness that produced conflict. Listen, listen. It's time to quit asking God to shrink your conflict and start asking him to grow your courage. You don't need less struggle. You need a grace that is sufficient in the midst of your struggle. But God, they're being mean to me. They're saying all sorts of things about me. But if you'll guard your heart, God will take care of your influence. Because watch, the heart is the wellspring of life. And as long as this remains pure to the pure, all things are pure. When you allow and guard the wellspring of your life, watch how Jesus even makes your enemies your footstool. Watch how he makes a table even in the enemy's camp for you to sit down at and enjoy a gourmet meal. Watch how God prospers you in the midst of people wishing you had setbacks. Watch how God crowns your year in favor with unexplainable increase when everybody else is lost in complaining and grumbling. Watch what God does on your behalf when you make a decision to not allow the struggle around you to develop a spirit of infirmity inside of you. No, you're not a victim. You're an overcomer. I thought if I tithed more, I'd have less warfare on my finances. No, you'll have more because God's going to trust you with abundance. And with abundance comes bigger giants than you've ever faced before. Well, I thought the longer I walk on this journey, the easier it would get. No, the grace has grown because God knows where you're headed. You're going to need it. Listen, be careful the next time you pray for increase because God doesn't give you increase to make you spiritually obese. He gives you increase so that you use it in the season that's ahead. We don't need increase to pad our spiritual resumes to feel better about ourselves. No, we need increase because there's a Goliath in Seattle who's an uncircumcised Philistine and we're going to rally together until we see giants fall and we inherit cities that we didn't build. No, that's what we're going after. The church had a boldness that produced conflict. Now watch what Jesus says. I love this. I love this. Jesus says this. Matthew 5, he says, blessed are you. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are you if people insult you. He says, blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed are you when people show you who they really are. And the next time somebody shows you who they really are, believe them. Believe them. Blessed are you. Which means this. Every time a person partners with the accuser of the brethren to try to put a curse on your life, God responds with a double portion blessing. You know, when we uh, used to do crusades in West Africa and we'd go out in different nations, Cameroon, Uganda, Liberia, 
there'd be teams in Tanzania all over the place. They'd go to these, they'd go to these places way out in the bush, sometimes three, four, five, six hours off the beaten path. We set up stages and bring in sound systems and, you know, we just preach the gospel and get a worship team playing. And, and, and oftentimes in those settings, you know, the witch doctors, they would come out. Real witch doctors, real demonic stuff. Not a Halloween mask, a real witch doctor. And they'd be standing around a stage, they'd be cursing and saying all things and chanting and mixing potions and black magic and all sorts of things. And it would be so interesting that every time that they would try to curse, another person come to the altar to get born again. Every time they come to curse, another person get freed from infirmity and sickness. Every time that they tried to curse and stop and push back, it was like the gates of hell just opened a little wider, a little wider, and a little wider. Why? Because the gospel in the church, it advances by force. And I want you to know, the next time that you're in a season where you feel like I'm getting cursed, and I'm getting insulted, and I'm catching flack, it's because God is setting you up for a blessing that will make the pain of what you've walked through worth it. Blessed are you! I wish we had a little bit of a bigger building and a little bit more time because I got through about three sentences of my sermon this morning. But let me cause you to jump ahead in the text. Peter gets arrested. They lock him up in jail and they intend to bring him to public trial. But the Bible says in verse 5, that the church began to earnestly pray. I love that. I love it. They didn't get all chaotic. They didn't have a panic attack and roll over and play dead. They didn't issue a public apology. They didn't cower in fear. They didn't call Herod and say, just kidding, we'll capitulate on the sexual ethic, do whatever you want. The church earnestly prayed while Peter the lead apostle of the faith church planter extraordinaire public theologian magnanimous personality when he was locked up by Herod the church didn't descend into chaos they went to a place much deeper they went to the place of prayer and they grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment and they refused to let go until God sent an angel to open every door that the enemy tried to close and can I tell you when God opens a door no demon in hell can shut it no person who's jealous can stop it when God opens a door, he's equipping you and preparing you for every good work that lies ahead. When God opens a door, but I want you to see it. It didn't matter how gifted the apostle Peter was. He couldn't open the door by himself. But it was when the church began to pray. When the church began to pray. No, none of us are islands unto ourselves. None of us are so gifted in this room that no matter what we get into, we can just get out of all by our lonesome. No, we were created to do this together. That's why apostles need prophets and prophets need evangelists and evangelists need pastors and pastors need teachers. Why? Because when we do that well, what we create is this symbiotic relationship by which we are all feeding off of 
the different ways that we are hardwired by God. And in doing so, we begin to do violence against principalities and powers that have kept gates and doors closed in this region for generations. It's when we partner together. It didn't matter how talented the apostle was when he got locked up. He needed some common people with common names and common giftings to beseech the gates of heaven until God responded with an answer. You may never go to the foreign mission field, but if you'll be a person who prays, great is your reward. You may never see all the things that you've dreamed for or ever wanted to be a part of, but if you will be a person of prayer, we will share in the victory of what God is doing across this region. If we had time, I'd tell you the rest of the story. The angel strikes Peter in the side. He said, get up. Peter's rubbing his eyes. He says, I think I'm dreaming. I think I'm having a vision. It's too good to be true. I thought my best days were behind me. I thought this was how it ended. I thought I was dead and gone. I thought that divorce identified me. I thought that bankruptcy identified me. I thought all I had was a scarlet letter, but his blood has washed me white as snow. I thought all my best days were in the past. I thought I was living in the review mirror. I thought it was just a dream, but this is the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I'm telling you, friend, there is more in your future than there is in your past. God is getting ready to do a new thing in a new year. And by his spirit, he is opening a door that no man can close. Come on, give God a great shout of praise. Come on, let me pray for you, Father, now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would equip us, not with the spirit of fear, but watch, power, love, and a sound mind. God, I pray that you would equip us with strength that comes from on high for the challenges that lie ahead. We will not falter in our hour of trial. We will not back down in our moment of tribulation. But after we have done everything to stand, by your grace, we will continue to stand. God, don't shrink our conflict. Grow our courage. And in doing so, we'll give you all the praise and honor. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said amen.